has something on my heart. I was sitting in the service the other night, and it just dropped on me that this was what we were supposed to start on. So any time that that happens, I know that that's the direction that we're supposed to do because Keith was going in a totally different direction. And the Lord says, turn here. And I turned there, and there was my sermon. And I went home, and within 30 minutes, I had a series. And Keith said, what? And I went and showed it to him. He said, I cannot believe that. He said, oh, yes, I can. He changed his words just that quickly. So uh, um, so here we go, and I think you'll understand why. If you would, guys, put up for us Proverbs 4, verse 5 in the King James. Y'all ready? You got your Bibles? Anybody don't have a Bible? Our ushers has got extra ones. They'll loan you one of ours. And it's like Keith says, if you don't have one, believe for one. If you don't have one, we want to make sure you have one. If you don't have one of your very own, let the ushers know, and we'll take care of that. I want you to have a Bible. Everybody should have their own Bible. When you can, like Brother Hagin says, if you can't mark in your Bible and write notes in it, and when it says this, you can put, this means Phyllis, then get rid of your Bible and get one of ours, because we can write in our Bibles. Okay? Because you need something that means something to you, to your heart. Okay? So here we go. What does that first two words say? Get wisdom. That's the title of the new series. Get wisdom. That's what the Lord told me. Get wisdom. Series title. Get wisdom. Get understanding. Forget it not. Neither decline from the words of my mouth. Forsake her not, and she will preserve thee. Does anybody need preserving? Not pickling, preserving. Okay? Love her, and she will keep thee. Now, verse 7. Wisdom is the principal thing. Now, what does that mean to you? Most important thing, most valuable thing. Wisdom is the principal thing, therefore get... Okay, about three people got it. What about the rest of y'all? Therefore get wisdom. And with all you're getting, get understanding. Exalt her and she'll do what? Promote you. She'll bring you with, bring thee to what? Honor when you embrace her. And she'll give your head an ornament of grace and a crown of glory. She'll deliver thee. Now let's read it out. We're going to read it out of a couple of translations so you get it very clear in your head, okay? The Amplified says, Get skillful and godly wisdom. Notice it said godly wisdom. Okay? Get understanding, discernment, comprehension, and interpretation. Do not forget and do not turn back from the words of my mouth. Forsake not wisdom. She will keep you, defend you, protect you, love her, and she will guard you. Does anybody ever need defending? Ever. Anybody ever in here needed defending? Anybody in here ever needed protecting? 
Anybody in here ever needed love? Let's all say love. There you go. Now, wait a minute. Y'all didn't say it. All together now. I heard every girl in here. Guys. Oh, you know I'm going to do it till we do it together. Thank you. All right. And she will guard you. Do you need somebody to guard you from everything that the devil throws at you? That's wisdom. The beginning of wisdom is get wisdom, skillful and godly wisdom. Um, for getting uh, love, for skillful and godly wisdom is the principal thing. And with all you've gotten, get understanding, discernment, comprehension, and interpretation. Prize wisdom highly and exalt her. And she will exalt and promote you. She will bring you to honor when you embrace her. She will give your head a wreath of gracefulness. Anybody need any grace? And a crown of beauty and glory. Anybody need some beauty? Huh? All of us can use a little extra beauty. Come on now. I looked at you. Right? All right. And glory, she will deliver you. Right? Look at your neighbor and say, you can use a little extra beauty. You ain't saying it, are you? All these men say, I ain't saying that to my wife. Ah, they're wise. See, they already that wisdom's already working. Yeah, they're smart. Okay, the Living Bible. It says, learn to be wise. That's a good thing, right? He said, and develop good judgment. And what? Common sense. sense. I cannot overemphasize this point. Cling to wisdom and she will protect you. Love her and she will guard you. Getting wisdom is the most important thing you can do. So why haven't we done it? If it's the most important thing that we can do, why have we neglected it? Why don't we hear a sermon almost every week about wisdom? If it's one of the most important things we can do, right? I think we should hear about it a lot more, right? Okay, um... And with your wisdom, develop common sense and good judgment. If you exalt wisdom, she will exalt you. Hold fast to her, and she will lead you to great honor. She will place a beautiful crown upon your head. My son, listen to me, and do as I say, and you will have a long life. Huh? Did I leave something out? But that's not what's happening to a lot of people, right? They're just having the long life. Right? And that other word is being left out. Did you know there's a difference between a long life and a long good life? Right? Do you know 
your life can, you know why people don't want to live to be 120 years old? Because their life is not good. But if you're having a good life, 120 would sound good to you. But if your life is bad, you want to get out of here at 60. Right? So we want to find out how to have a long, good life. Right? So my title this morning is, the series title is Get Wisdom. But this was what the Lord dropped in my heart the other night. And I had never really noticed it before. A lot of you may be smarter than me. I know you are. You're not blonde. We don't have that many blondes in here, you know. But anyway, two kinds of wisdom. Okay? So are you ready for it this morning? Did you know there were two kinds of wisdom? Few of you did. I had known it, but I had totally forgotten about it. And when you forget about something, do you know it is just tantamount the same thing? is not having it. Do you know if you own a pretty dress and it hangs in your closet and you forget about it, what value is it to you? Or a nice pair of shoes, ladies, and they get stuffed in the back of your closet and you go, oh man, I forgot I had those. What value are they to you? Right? So if you forget about wisdom and you forget about its value to you, what good is it to you? None. Or you forget, some, sometimes people, have you ever taken a $100 bill or $200 and tucked it in your billfold and hidden it or money you've hidden somewhere and you forget about it and then you really need it and you think, oh man, I forgot I had that. Did it do you any good? No. Well, that's the way wisdom is. We know it's there, but we've forgotten to use it. Right? So it's doing us absolutely no good. So let's look at a scripture here, and I think we're going to get some real insight on some things this morning. The Lord really helped me with this yesterday, and so I I think I want us to really just jump in. Can y'all all all swim? So we're just going to jump into the deep end and skip the shallow part, right? Who can't swim? Somebody give them some floaties and hold them up, okay? (laughs) Sit close to them and hold them up. All right, James 3, King James, verse 13. Who is a wise man and endued with knowledge among you? Let him show out of a good conversation his works with meekness and wisdom. Now, most people, if you were to ask them, If you don't know anything about me at all, you should find out real quickly that I like things real. I think that's why I enjoyed teaching the youth for so long. Because you do not pull the wool over youth's eyes very long. That is why most people call youth rebellious. And let me explain to you this. Because youth are at that age where They come from the age of realizing that mama and daddy have been telling me to do this all my life to the age of they don't do it, so why should I? (laughs) 
So it's do as I say and not as I do. So they're kind of wondering, what's with this? All before that, they were too young to realize mom and daddy weren't really doing what they were saying. They were just telling me to do it. So when they get to be a teenager, we've all done it. Don't look at me in that tone of voice. You were a teenager once yourself. So don't just blame it on your teenagers. You were that way your own self. Right? And you realized that your parents made some mistakes their very own. Don't think about your kids. Think about your own self for just a minute. And think about, for just a minute, when you got to be a teenager, okay? You're going to tell your teenagers, don't go out and drive fast in that car. How many of you went out and drove fast in a car? How many of you tried a cigarette? How many of you drank something you shouldn't drink? You don't have to raise your hand. I know you did. But you'll find out about me that I'm very, very straight and honest about things. And that's what happens with people that go in with youth and they try to pretend like they've never done anything wrong and that they're just these little saints and the kids see right through them. But with me, I have messed up. I'm going to just tell you. I've messed up so many times. You'd have to take off every pair of shoes in the place and your hands and your fingers to count all the times that I've messed up. And I don't mind telling you that. But you want to know something? There is a merciful, graceful, wonderful God that every time I mess up, he picks me up and says, come on, Phil, let's do it again. Come on. Let's do it again. You can do it. Come on. Let's try it again. Come on, I'm going to help you. Let's do it again. He don't leave you there. He helps you get back up again and go again. Because if anybody in here had the knowledge to do every single thing right and never missed it, they'd have to be Jesus. You know, we were counseling this couple one time. And uh, we were with them and Dave was sitting here and I was sitting here. And uh, this woman was sitting there and she kept telling us, my husband is just such a horrible sinner. He does this and he does this and he does this and he does this. And finally, Dave just couldn't take it anymore. He looked at her and he says, now, what do you do? Nothing. I never sin. I never do anything wrong. I never mess up. It's just him. (laughs) And she just kept going on. And she just kept telling us all these horrible things that he did. And finally, the Lord just checked me. And, And beside the fact Well, I'll get to that part in a minute. I just looked at her and I said, well, did you know that the Bible said, because she was telling me how, she was telling us how spiritual she was, that she never made any mistakes. So I just, and I knew it was the Lord. I just looked at her and I just folded my arms ever so sweetly. And I said, well, do you know what the word says about the spiritual one in the household? If there is one that's taken in a fault, you, which are spiritual, should restore such a one, Amen. lest you fall yourself. Amen. So if you're really spiritual, you should never judge anyone. You should just restore them, lest you fall yourself. Amen. She didn't really care for that. 
Did anybody else see anything wrong with what she was doing? Judging. Judging. What is the worst things that we can do? Judge somebody. And not only that, you should never put your spouse down in any situation or make them look bad. Ever, 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 ever. So anyway, let's get back to our verse here. Who is a wise man endued with knowledge among you? Let him show out of a good conversation his works with meekness and wisdom. I was talking about me in the youth. If you know anything about me at all, you will find out real quickly that I will tell you all my faults quicker than I will tell you my good points. Why? So that you don't make the same mistakes that I make. That is somebody that really doesn't want you to mess up. But somebody, see what that says? Out of a good conversation, his works. Now, have you ever met somebody that every time you go to do a project or every time you go to do anything, they know more than anybody else. They have the answers about everything. They can tell everybody else how to do it. They can fix everything. They can do everything. They can, they can read you. The, there's not anything they don't know about. There was this one wise man I once knew. His name was Brother Hagen. And I used to get so tickled at him. We traveled with him for like 20-something years. And we'd go in situations, and there'd be people sitting around tables and talking, and they'd tell all these stories about all the stuff that they knew, and he'd just sit there. And people became convinced that Brother Hagen could not hear. The whole world became convinced that Brother Hagen couldn't hear because he would just sit there. And he'd go, mm mm. And they would think he couldn't hear. And they'd ask him a question, and he'd go, hmm? Because he didn't want to be involved in the conversation that they were having. Because he knew that they were wrong. And when we would get in the car, he'd start in on what they were talking about. And he'd say, do y'all want to know the truth about that? With Keith and I. And he'd tell us the exact date, the time, the situation, the whole story that was behind that, that these people were telling us. Now, that is a wise person. Now, what most people would do in those situations is what? Let me tell you what really happened. they would have to show that they knew more about what happened in that situation and prove that they were more knowledgeable about that situation and prove that they had more wisdom about that situation and prove that they had all the answers so that they could be the big shot, the show-off. 
But who was the wise one in the situation? The one who keeps his mouth closed. In the multitude of words, there wants not what? Sin. It never pays to talk about another person. It'll come back and bite you. So out of your good conversation comes what? Meekness with wisdom. So if we are meek, and you're going to get into understanding more of this as we go along, but just understand you don't have to immediately voice everything you know, and you'll understand it as we read more of these verses. So let's go on for just a minute, and I think you'll get it. I said there's two kinds of wisdom. Let's read the next verse, and I think you'll begin to see some things. Verse 14. Can y'all put it up there? But if you have bitter envying and strife in your hearts, glory not and lie not against the truth. Verse 15. This wisdom, what? Descends not from above, but is earthly, sensual, and what? Wait a minute. Wisdom and devilish is in the same verse. So is there such a thing as devilish wisdom? And it's not of God. So put verse 14 back up there. Bitter envying and strife, verse 15, are devilish wisdom. Do you see it? Bitter envying and strife are devilish wisdom. Let's read it to you from some other translations. Well, let me read verse 16. For where envying and strife is, there's confusion and every evil work. So there is a devilish wisdom. There is a wisdom that we want no part of. Even though wisdom is very, very valuable to us, I think there's a lot of people that have wisdom. But it's like Dan says, you have money. But what are you doing with that money? You have wisdom, but what are you doing? Where did it come from? Where did this wisdom come from? Let's read it from the Amplified. Verse 14. We'll just read about the devilish wisdom part. But if you have bitter jealousy, envy, contention, rivalry, selfish ambition in your hearts, do not pride yourself on it, and thus be in defiance of the false to the truth. Verse 15. This superficial wisdom is not such as comes down from above, but it is earthly, unspiritual, animal, devilish, and demonical. Is there a wisdom that does not come from a God? From God. Do we see an enormous amount of this wisdom in the world? Do you know, and don't raise your hand, do you know anybody that's ever put the other verse 14 back up? 
that's ever given place to jealousy? Have you ever seen anybody on the job try to stab anybody in the back or throw somebody under the bus? Ever? Huh? Where, where daily? Where did where does that come from? Does it come from God? Should we be yielding to that? Is that wisdom that's going to give us a long good life? What is it going to give us? Bad stuff. Jealous and envy. Have you ever seen anybody that envied something else that somebody had? So what did they do? What happens when you have jealousy and envy? You have backbiting. You have meanness. Have you ever seen a family member go home to be with the Lord? What happens to that family? Over what? Over nothing. With God, things are not important. With God, people are important. And oftentimes situations will arise that will give you an opportunity to be tested to see if you're going to rise above a situation to where the money is more important to you or the person is more important to you. And you're going to be given a choice as to which you choose, their feelings or that money. And are you going to get jealous because they got the raise or you didn't get the raise? And what are you going to do? Are you going to yield to the bitter envying and the jealousy and the contention? Rivalry. I know I grew up with two sisters. And we fought about everything growing up. I mean, it was, it was horrible. I was in the middle. And so the older one would want this, and, and why can't I have this mama? And then she's got it, and then you got to wear her hand-me-downs, and she's got that sweater, and you got that sweater, and, and it, she got the bed, and you didn't get the bed. And how many of you have brothers and sisters? Did you ever fight with them? Did you ever get a spanking fight? Okay, now the next question. Did you ever, now I don't have to tell you these stories, right? Did you ever blame them for something you did? Huh? Okay, I'll tell you all myself. You want to know? I guess we were probably like four and three years old. My little sister's a little bit younger than me, or five and two or something. I, I don't remember. We were very, very young. And I've always liked orange flavor all my life. I've, I've liked orange flavor and oranges. And um, how many of you, you know the little baby aspirins taste like oranges? Oh, you're ahead of me, aren't you? Well, for some reason or another, my mom was, I think, painting or something. And my little sister and I were there and I was just tall enough to reach in those old-timey medicine cabinets, you know, the metal ones with the glass mirror, and, and the bottle of baby aspirins was in the medicine cabinet. And that was before they knew of such a thing as a child-proof lid. 
Well, I got a hold to the bottle of baby aspirins. And I took them, all but two. And I gave those two to my little sister because she was pitching a fit because she wanted to, and so I just gave them to her to shut her up. <laughs> I was mean. That wasn't the mean part. So my mom comes in there, and the baby bottle aspirins is empty, and she panics. And you could tell she was in a panic. Have you ever seen anybody in a panic? And to get out of trouble, you tell them a lie. You blame it on somebody else. When you know all the while it was your fault. Well, that's what I did. I said, who took these aspirins? Oh, my God, who took these aspirins? You're a mother. You, you, you understand? She did. I was five. Four, maybe. I don't remember how old I was. I was little. Barely could reach the medicine cabinet standing on the toilet seat. They rushed us to the hospital. I kid you not. I can remember the emergency room to this day. They throw my little sister on the table and pump her stomach out. And I still didn't say anything. Now that's mean. That's mean. That's being a mean big sister. Well, when they figured it out, guess what? And I got into so much trouble after that. The repercussions were not good after that. That's causing strife. Do you think my little sister loved me very much after that? Didn't make for just like real cuddleness and love. It made for tension. Made for problems. Didn't make for us to get along real well for a while. Now that happens every day in people's lives. To avoid people getting into trouble themselves, they do things. And they shift blame on somebody else. And they shift things on other people and make it look and appear as though somebody else did it. And the other person gets blamed for it, and they just stand back and let them take the blame, not realizing. See, this is the bad part. Not realizing that there is a God in heaven who sees the whole situation. See, we are not kingdom-minded enough. All we live by here is what we see and what we feel. And what we think is the most important thing is not that boss man or not that person that's standing next to us or not that person that's getting in trouble or not that person that we're getting in trouble or not the person that's going to uh, fire us or not the person that's going to do this. It's this. 
it's, it's the godly wisdom from above that will help us tomorrow and the next day and the next day and the next day and give us the answers and give us the wisdom to help our kids and give us the answers that we need to get the job and tell us where we're supposed to move and tell us who we're supposed to marry and tell us where we're supposed to live and tell us what we're supposed to do and tell us how to get over this sickness and tell us where to get this money from and tell us how to pay our bills and tell us what to do. But all we're doing is thinking of the here and now. But we're living in this devilish wisdom and wanting the godly wisdom. It's like we want to take this switch and flip it off and on. Okay? I did this, but I want this. I did this five minutes ago, but you know... You ever seen those commercials? Where the devil's sitting on one shoulder and the angel's sitting on the other shoulder? It didn't work that way. We are not of this world. And we have to make godly choices. We are not of those. Let's read it. Let's go ahead and read it out of the New Living. I want to read you some more of these ways that it tells this devilish wisdom. 14. But if you're bitterly jealous and there's selfish ambition in your heart. Now, it didn't even say you yielded to it. But if it's in your heart and you're constantly bitter at somebody about what they have and you don't have, you're bitter all the time. This bitterness will consume you. It won't consume them. It will consume you. You'll be the one living in it and doing without the other wisdom. And see, you think you're hurting them, but it's you that's doing without. You're the one that's being hurt. You're the one that's not getting the answers that you need. It's like you cut off your supply. It's like... You're bitter here, but then your supply up above you is cut off. It can't get to you anymore. You're going this way, but the supply is coming from this way, and the minute that you're not going this way with love, the supply that's trying to get through you is just blocked off. It's trying to get to you, but it can't. God's merciful and He's kind. But when we continue in this bitterness, in this uh, selfish bitterness that's in our heart, Don't cover up the truth by boasting and lying. Have you ever done that? Have you ever just told this inflated story about something and you knew all the while it wasn't true? But yet and still, you're believing for something and you're really, really expecting it to happen and you, I know, when we first started in the things of God, I tell you, I told you, I'd tell you everything about me. I can't tell about you. I don't know about you. But when we first started getting into the things of God, we went to Ramah. You all know I've told you before. I was raised Catholic. 
Now, how many of you raised Catholic didn't know all the stories in the Bible and didn't know how to find all the chapters in the Bible and didn't know how to find all the verses in the Bible and didn't know where everything was in the Bible and didn't know uh, Peter, James, John, Matthew. I didn't know all the disciples, didn't know all the... Uh, I didn't know all that stuff. I didn't know all the Beatitudes and all the things that the Baptists knew. How many of you Catholics know what I'm talking about? And I got dumped headlong into a Bible college. And my husband started teaching there very shortly after that. And I came in contact with everybody that knew everything about the Bible. And I was supposed to be Keith Moore's wife. And if Keith Moore knew it, I was supposed to know it. Imagine how that felt. You talk about putting on a show. I got really good at it. And one day I just went in and I said, I ain't doing this anymore. I quit. I quit. I got so depressed. I started eating. I gained 200 pounds. I quit. I quit the ministry. I quit God. I quit the whole thing. I hated it. I didn't want any part of it. Because I was being phony, I thought God was phony. Do you understand? Because I didn't know God, and I had begun to have to live and say things that everybody else was saying, and do things that everybody else was doing. And, and I heard the words. I knew what they were saying. I knew the right answer to give. But I didn't know it. So I could say the right things. I could hold the conversation with the people. I mean, we had opportunity. We were around the Copelands. We were around the Hagans. We were around uh, Lester Summerall. We were, around, we were around some of the greatest people. And I could hold a conversation and say just whatever needed to be said. I didn't have a clue what I was talking about. And I was going down the tube. Lying and boasting that I had had this happen or that happen or this happen or that happen. And I was going down the tube because I never learned it for myself. I never learned about faith. I never learned about believing God. I never learned how to do anything for myself. I never learned the word for myself. And it was eating me alive. And it wasn't until I came to the decision, I don't care what people think about me. I don't care if they think I am the dumbest blonde in the world when it comes to the things of God. I am going to only say what I know and do what I know and believe what I know and confess what I know and be who I am. And it wasn't until then that our, I mean, if you've ever been around us very much, you'll know during that time our marriage almost fell apart, our ministry almost fell apart, our lives completely almost fell apart, everything we had almost fell apart because I was so phony. I was rebellious because I didn't know. I didn't want to be a part of that. And that's what happens to people. 
because they get into what Keith was talking about last week. They get into so much fear that somebody is going to catch on that they don't know as much as what they're pretending like they know. And so they say things more than what they know instead of being honest and saying, you know what? I don't know. I just don't know. But I I know people that do know. And I'll find you out the answer. And I'll get back with you. And I had to get to a point to where I did that. And I had to get to a point to where I had to spend time in the Word for myself. And I had to quit boasting about things that I didn't know and acting like I knew things that I didn't know and trying to be somebody that I wasn't and become the person that I was. And one day Keith looked at me and he said, Phil, quit trying to impress people and just be impressive. The moment that you quit trying to impress people, you're very impressive. You're a very impressive person. You love everybody. And you care about everybody. And you have never wanted anybody to fail. He said, just your love for them. He said, you can love them past whatever you don't know. And I thought... Well, I know I love people. And he said, you know what? He said, you may not have the exact scripture for everything. And you may not know the exact scripture for everything. He said, but for everything you don't know, God will fill it in you if you love people. And he said, he can do a lot with a little. And from that day forward, I have never once tried to impress people or do things I didn't know. And you know who turned out to be my best friend for 20 years? Anybody will tell you. His daughters will tell you. His son will tell you. Brother Hagen. Because I wasn't phony around him. I didn't try to super spiritualize anything. I didn't try to get religious with him. I didn't try to do anything with him. The first time I met him, he shot English peas at me. The next time I met him, he asked Keith, where's your talking machine? The next time I met him, he bit me on the arm and I put ice down his back. That's the kind of relationship we had. We were real with each other. And we loved each other like a father and a daughter. But I never once again became fake with anybody or phony with anybody. Because I realized I could not serve God and get answers from God and help people being fake or phony with anybody or pretending with anybody. If I hurt, people know it. Do you know it if I don't feel good? It's not that I don't get in faith. And it's not that I go around whining. It's just, guys, I'm believing about this. Because if you don't, then people go through their whole lives assuming that because you're here, you might never have a test or a trial. You laugh, but we had a minister at the dinner table the other night that asked that very question. They looked at us and they said, you know what, y'all been in the ministry a very long time. 
Do you ever have to believe God for anything? I thought, it's only been about a minute and a half. But you know what? It's that way with everybody. Don't go around boasting and bragging and building yourself up above what you know and who you truly are. Because what will happen is, and what I saw happening, was people that truly had answers for me and help for me wouldn't give it to me because they thought I knew more than I did. Do you understand what I'm saying? Are people that actually had money that they were supposed to give me on occasion wouldn't give it to me because they thought I had more than I did. When you go around and you pretend like you're this wealthy somebody that you're not, or you go around and pretend like you're this really spiritual person that you're not. And I don't mean put on airs and be this carnal person. You have to be walk in faith and walk in love, but you don't pretend like you know more than you know. And if you know something, you say, God, show me what I need to do. And you walk in faith. But then you don't put on airs to somebody like, oh, Shandai, Rundai. Oh, I got a word for you, Shandai, Rundai. When it may have been the person that you just walked up to that God dealt with, you know what, I'm supposed to give you $500, but you go do that to them and they're going to go, They don't need nothing from me. And I had to realize there were people that God had put in my path to help me with things that I wasn't ready to receive from because I was too spiritual for them when I didn't know nothing. And it wasn't until I humbled myself and I began to realize, look, I don't got it all. Put that verse back up there for us. 14, in the New Living. But if you're bitterly jealous, I was jealous of what other people knew because I didn't know it, and I was expected to know it. And selfish ambition in your heart. I covered up the truth with boasting and lying. Now, I know nobody in here has ever done anything like that. Verse 15, for jealousy and selfishness are not God's kind of wisdom. So we, do you want it if it's not God's? No. How many of you want something that's not God's? No. I didn't think so. Such things are earthly, unspiritual, and What? How many of you want something that's pure devilish? I know you wouldn't even be sitting in here if you did. Did you know? Now, just be honest with me. For five seconds, how many of you knew? Now, we just talked about me being fake and phony, okay? I just told you my story, right? How many of you actually knew that jealousy and boasting was demonic? How many of you have done it in the last month? Now, if we'll be honest with each other, we've all done it. Now, that's just flat yielding to the devil. 
And we don't want any part of it. I don't want anything that stands in between me and God. I want to be able to... Hi. I don't want God having to try to get through anything to me. I want everything removed to where He can just send it right down to me. Do you see what I'm saying? I don't want anything of the devil coming, getting to me. I want to resist all that stuff. I don't, when it comes, we know it. You know it and I know it. Have you ever been around people that it just seems like when you get around those people, you want to tell, you want to just spill your guts about everything? You ever notice that? You can be around other people and you just, you're not that way. But then you get around certain people and it's just like everything you know just gushes out before you realize it. And you walk away and you think, I wasn't going to do that. (laughs) That, in case you haven't noticed, there are spirits behind certain people. That they are gossips and they're talkers and they're this and they're that. And they have yielded to those spirits. And if you don't watch it, if you don't determine in your heart before you get there with those people, I am not saying that. And you put your foot down. I am not talking. I'm not saying it. Zip it. Shut it. Put, put tape over your mouth. Do whatever you have to do until you learn to control yourself and be able to be on your guard and do what you know is right. Then you have to be supernaturally protected when you're with them. Because there's people that you're around, they want to do things that you know you shouldn't do. They want to go places you know you shouldn't go. They want to say things you know you shouldn't say. You've got people that you're around, they want to talk about your boss all the time. Or you've got people that you're around that they want to talk about your family all the time. Or you've got people that you're around that they want to talk about how to cheat the IRS all the time. Do you understand what I'm saying? There's certain people that you get around that they want to talk about things that you know you shouldn't talk about. And when you do that, you get around those people, then you're feeding that inside of you that you know you shouldn't be feeding. And you go away from there, and how does it make you feel? Totally and completely condemned. It doesn't do anything for you. So what you either have to do is you have to stay away from those people until you can get strong enough to where, hey, I got to a point to where we, I mean, ministry, and I don't mean to make a bad confession about it, but it can be some of the worst about talking about people and gossiping and about envying and about this church and that church and they got this many people and they got this many people and they, we got to a point to where we don't even care what numbers are. We don't tell people what numbers are because we're at a point when we first started the other church, everybody was saying, how many do you have? How many do you have? How many people are in your church? And we realized, you know what? They want to do one of two things. They want to compare themselves and look down on themselves and make themselves feel bad because we have more than they do. Or they want to uh, compare themselves and say, na, 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 we're bigger than you. So what is the point? So guard yourself. Be on your guard. Bitter envyings and jealousies and those kind of things. Watch who you're hanging with. Realize that is demonic stuff. And all it's doing is cutting you off from the godly wisdom that you do need. And we'll get back to the godly wisdom. And you'll find out how, just how bad you do need it. But we've got to cut off the other stuff first. You notice, I always think when I'm reading the word, you may not be this way. But I am a very simple person. Have you found that out yet? If it comes first in the Word, 
I think I need to do that first. Does that make sense to you? This comes first before the godly wisdom. The next part after verse 16, it tells about the godly wisdom. We're going to read it in a minute before we go. I'm just going to touch base with you on it. We're not going to get into it today. But it, you've got to get rid of the devilish wisdom before you can get the godly wisdom. Does that make sense to you? The Word is not by happenstance. Things are laid out in the way God wants us to get them. I'm sure He took great pains in making sure that that was that way. So let's finish reading this, and then we'll touch on the... the, I want to read all these on the devilish wisdom. Yeah, it's... I got 15 whole minutes. We got a lot of time to read this. Okay? Verse 15. This superficial wisdom is not such as comes down from above, but it is earthly, unspiritual. Uh, Let's see where... That was uh, amplified I went back to. Let's go back to the New Living. Uh, Ah, for jealousy and selfishness are not God's kind of wisdom. Such things are earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. For wherever there is jealousy and selfish ambition, you will find disorder and every evil of every kind. An evil of every kind. Okay, now the Message Bible says this, and I think it will put it real plain to you. It's a translation, and it talks like we talk today. Mean-spirited ambition isn't wisdom. Boasting that you are, boasting that you are wise isn't wisdom. Twisting the truth to make yourself sound wise isn't wisdom. It's the furthest thing from wisdom. It's animal cunning devilish uh, conveying, conniving, sorry, thank you. Whenever you're trying to look better than others or to get the better of others, things falling apart and everyone ends up looking at the other's throats. In other words, you're ready to grab somebody's throat when all things are said and done. That's not good. That's, that's not who anybody in here is. I don't believe that. We're all out to look for the good of others, not to look out to make ourselves to step on somebody to get a head up. You know, I told you Keith got me two new little puppies, right? They're the cutest things you've ever seen. I told him I was going to bring them and show them to y'all sometime. <laughs> But when I get ready to leave, or actually when I get there, if I've been gone 10 minutes, they're like you've been gone three years, you know. And they will actually try to climb each other's back to see who can get to me the quickest. They don't care if they get on top of the other one to get to you the quickest. That's not who we are. You know, if they kick the other one in the ground trying to get to you the quickest. We're not animals. We should be trying to lift the other one up to give them the heads up to be able to let them get there first. That's who we are. That's who we should be. Let's read about some godly wisdom before we get out of here. I don't like leaving you on a negative note. What about that? 
Let's read about some godly wisdom. King James 17. But wisdom that is from above. Now that's godly, right? Is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, easy to be entreated, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. Verse 18. And the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace of them that make what? Peace. Now that's King James. Let's read it from some of these other translations and I think it will come real clear to you. Verse 17 in the Amplified. The wisdom that is first, the wisdom that is from above is first of all pure and undefiled, defiled. Then it is peace-loving, courteous. What? Considerate, gentle. It is willing to what? Yield to reason, full of compassion and good fruits. It is wholehearted and straightforward, impartial and unfeigned, free from doubts and wavering and insincerity. Verse 18. And the harvest of righteousness, of conformity to God's will in thought and deed, is the fruit of the seed sown in peace by those who work for and make peace in themselves and in others. That peace which makes concord, agreement, harmony between individuals with undisturbedness in a peaceful mind, free from fears and agitating passions and moral conflicts. Now let's read it. Out of the New Living. The wisdom from above is first of all pure. It is also peace-loving, gentle at all times. What's the next verse? Is that something we can grow in? We'll get into it some more later. It is full of mercy and good deeds. It shows no favoritism and is always sincere. 18. And those who are peacemakers will plant seeds of peace and reap a harvest of righteousness. The Message Bible. Real wisdom, God's wisdom, begins with a holy life and is characterized by getting along with others. It is gentle and reasonable, overflowing with mercy and blessings, and not hot one day and cold the next. Not what? Uh Uh-oh. 18. You can develop a healthy, robust community that lives right with God and enjoy its results only if you do the hard work of getting along with each other, treating each other with dignity and honor. That's part of the godly wisdom. That's the first part of it. There's a whole lot more that we're going to get into. But if you understand that there is a devilish wisdom and there is a godly wisdom... Most people, myself included, have been too quick to yield to the devilish wisdom, too quick to think about what other people are going to think about them. 
what their needs are, what their wants are, what they look like, what they appear to be, what they seem to need, what they are going to have to have, and what somebody's going to say about them or who's going to think this about them. If we don't cut that off at its root, then it cuts off what God wants to give to us. So it is completely the devil's ploy constantly to be putting these things in our mouths and in our hearts to cut off the supply from God. And that's what his game is. If he can get us living that demonic root in our lives, then he cuts off God's supply to us. And it cuts off coming from here when we're going like this, being mean to our sister next to us. What we should do, like church is over today, okay? Our goal should be, okay, I'll just, here we go. Most people will not invite somebody to lunch with them today because they think they have to take them to a fancy place. Instead of saying, you know what, i got 25 bucks. Let's go eat a fat happy meal. I want to get to know you. Do you understand that? Most people will not invite people to their house today because they don't have new furniture in it. Most people won't invite people to do fellowship with them anymore. The reason people don't fellowship with anybody anymore is because they're too proud that they don't have what other people might think that they should have. They don't invite people to their homes anymore because they don't have the quality or the standard that they think people think they should have by these days. Oh, I'm a faith person. Well, then you should have a whole brand new house with a whole brand new cars with all this brand new stuff in it and you should have all these things and people don't have it so they think people are going to think less of them. So Christians don't even fellowship anymore because somebody is going to think less of them. And it's a really sad thing. Because we should be the greatest to fellowship. We should see somebody come in the door that's not been here before. We should say, you know what, I've not seen you before. Come and have lunch with me. All I got on me is a, a 20. You know what, we could eat, share a hamburger. You want to go, go, go eat over here at McDonald's or Five Guys or Burger King or whatever you need to do? Let's go share a pizza. Everybody in here by now should begin to get to know each other. But what happens is, well, I got five, you got a five? We'll all share it, we'll get a pizza. It's more about people than it is about money. And until we learn that, we're not going to have the money. And that's what I had to decide when I told you. I was trying to be too boastful. I was trying to be, I'm Keith Moore's wife. I can't invite anybody over. Keith was teaching healing school. You got time for another story? Yeah. Okay, the ones that don't can go. <laughs> I won't be offended. Keith was teaching healing school. He had a lot of helpers that were helping him in healing school. And they really needed to fellowship with each other. I just kept feeling it in my heart they needed to fellowship with each other. And you know what? We lived at Shoot 'em Up Alley. Do you know what Shoot 'em Up Alley is? Shoot 'em up alley is one night we came out to get in our car to go and they yelled to us, the SWAT team, over a megaphone and said, Go back inside. Why? Because the little girl across the street had 
paired up with the motorcycle gang next door, and the parents were had their guns out and were going to shoot at the motorcycle team, and there was a thing going on. So they said, go back inside. So we did, and we went out the back. And so, anyway, but I knew that they needed to fellowship. Well, this was my conditions. The place that we lived was, when we went to Raymond, was a furnished apartment. Now, this is how it was furnished. 1967 throwaways from the garbage dump. Okay? Um, the sofa did not have legs. It had cans. Okay? It was a shotgun apartment. Anybody know what that means? A shotgun apartment? It had no walls. Okay? The only wall was at the very back of the apartment was the bathroom wall. So that meant you started at the kitchen, you had the living room, then you had the bedroom, then you had the bathroom. So if it wasn't all clean, it doesn't matter. Your guests sat on the bed to fellowship. Okay? That's how we lived when he was going to school. But I had to make a decision. Am I going to be so full of pride that I'm not going to do what God is dealing with me about? Or am I going to do what he's dealing with me about? This is what I had to eat. Our family grew up in Mississippi. I was Cajun. My family was in Louisiana, but they moved to Mississippi. So they both had gardens. This is how we lived. When we would go into Mississippi, we would fill up our freezer with food. Peas, butter beans, uh, if they had chicken, or if they had whatever they had, vegetables, we got. Potatoes, whatever. So I said, sweetheart, this is what I've got. I can fix it. He said, do it. So I fixed peas, cornbread, fried chicken, fried okra, tomatoes, potatoes, whatever I had. Sounds good, doesn't it? Y'all are getting hungry now, right? Okay. Those people came over there. They were from Canada. They were from all these different places. They had never heard of this stuff before. And they kept, they, when they put on their plates, they pulled out a spoonful and they a little bitty about this big around. And they went, yeah, what is it? And then they went, they ate it and they came back and said, we want some more of them hawk-eyed peas. Because <laughs> ham hocks and peas, you know. And so, but that's what I did. And because I was faithful with the little that God gave us in that apartment, and I wasn't ashamed of our beginnings and where we started and God giving us this apartment, the bedspread that we had was an old quilt with cigarette burn holes in it from the people that had the apartment before us. The sofa had a blanket covering it because it had big holes in it. That is how we started out. Now, you got to start somewhere. Nobody starts with the best. But if you're not faithful with where you start and you're ashamed of where you start, you will never get to where God wants you to be. You have got to prove to God, God, I'm not ashamed of anything that you've given me. I'm not ashamed. I am so thankful for it. That apartment was spotless. You could have eaten off the floor. 
It was old. It was dirty. It was a... The apartment building was built like in 18-something. But it was clean. The floors were clean. The walls were clean. There wasn't a cobweb in it. The bathrooms were clean. It was spotless. Because God gave it to me. And it was what he, he, he allowed me to have to be able for us to go to school. And that's what we have to do. That is the wisdom of God to be able to use what you have. Don't boast about what you have, but use what you have to honor Him. Don't try to be something that you're not. Be who you are and let God's wisdom promote you to who you are to be. Don't try to be impressive. Don't try to impress, just be impressive. When those people came to that apartment, they never noticed a thing. We got the word out. We fellowshiped. Keith played guitar. We sang. We did some things. We had the most wonderful night. It became a monthly thing. We just enjoyed it so much. And I think back now on the rich fellowship we had and on the friends that we made during that time, and I wouldn't trade it for anything that we did. But what if I had been too proud and I would have told Keith, I don't want anybody coming to this place. It's horrible. Do you see the cigarette burnt in that blanket? Do you see the sofa with the cans underneath it? Do you see this table with the leg falling off that we've had to prop it up with this stuff? What if I would have been ashamed of that? Do you honestly think we would have this building today? For the ten people that said no, you would be correct. You have to be faithful with where God starts you. If he gives you a car that will barely run, you offer to take somebody to church. But you make sure it's clean. If he gives you a house to serve him in, you invite somebody to dinner. You may only have peas and cornbread. Peas and pone, eat it or leave it alone. But you honor God with everything that you have and He will make sure that you get promoted to the next level with what you have. But if you're embarrassed about what you have and you try to prove to people that you're someplace that you're not, you will never get promoted from where you are. Does that make sense? Stand up on your feet. Father, we love you in here today. I know these people's hearts. They cherish your wisdom. They honor your wisdom. We do, Father. I do. I know I don't know everything by any stretch of the imagination. It's amazing you can even use me to do anything, Father. I just thank you for showing us everything that we need to know in order to serve you better, Father. I just ask you to remove from us any of that devilish wisdom, Father. I just ask you to remove from us anything that's not glorifying you, anything that's not pleasant to you, anything that does not bring you glory, and bring into us every bit of your godly wisdom, Father, so that we can serve you better and we can receive from you the answers that we need in order to do the things that we need to do. I just ask you for that for every person that's in this place and anyone that agreed with it says amen. Amen. Amen.